Unless you live under a rock, you know that Trump announced he is running for president in 2024. But for all the excitement this generated amongst the MAGA crowd, they should really check themselves. Not for the platform we all know Trump has represented, but for the new platform piece he has added. If you missed his speech, take a listen. And I will ask Congress for legislation ensuring that drug dealers and human traffickers, these are terrible, terrible, horrible people who are responsible for death, carnage, and crime all over our country. Every drug dealer during his or her life on average will kill 500 people with the drugs they sell, not to mention the destruction of families. But we're going to be asking everyone who sells drugs, gets caught selling drugs, to receive the death penalty for their heinous acts. Now, this isn't a totally off-the-cuff comment. He wasn't speaking freely. He was reading a teleprompter. Another point of criticism, but for another day. You know that speech was contemplated and scrutinized beforehand by his handlers. It didn't just show up on its own. It was premeditated. And did you hear the applause from the MAGA crowd cheering the killing of their fellow Americans? It's twisted. Furthermore, he said something similar back in July. And the penalties should be very, very severe. If you look at countries throughout the world, the ones that don't have a drug problem are those that institute a very quick trial death penalty sentence for drug dealers. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? But you know what? That's the ones that don't have any problem. It doesn't take 15 years in court. It goes quickly and you absolutely, you execute a drug dealer and you'll save 500 lives because they kill on average 500 people. It's terrible to say, but you take a look at every country in this world that doesn't have a problem with drugs. They have a very strong death penalty for the people that sell drugs. Let's unpack this idea. Trump says that drug traffickers will kill 500 people with the drugs they sell. This number has largely been pulled right out of his bad hair. The Washington Post investigated this figure. They note that according to the National Institutes of Health, about 600,000 people died of drug overdoses from 2010 to 2020. Using Trump's 500 deaths per dealer number, this would mean there were only 1,200 drug dealers in the U.S. However, there are nearly 20,000 drug traffickers prosecuted each year in this country. While he was president, Trump claimed this figure to be as high as 2,000, 3,000, and even 5,000 deaths per dealer. When pressed about this, his administration claimed they were referencing drug kingpins. Well, Trump, there is a big difference between a drug kingpin and a drug dealer. We all know dealers. Just go to your local high school. Very few of us know kingpins. Trump seems to over-exaggerate this death per dealer number, most likely to stir up support for his death penalty desires. However, it fails to suffice common sense and actual facts. Furthermore, if you're talking about kingpins, then say it. It's still wrong, but it's a far cry from the tyranny of executing common drug dealers. So what is it, Don? Let's take a look at how hypocritical this is for Trump to say. Remember when he was president and pardoned Alice Johnson? She was the grandmother and first-time offender who got a life sentence for selling drugs. Many thought the punishment was too harsh. Kim Kardashian even showed up in the White House to ask for a pardon. It was a whole reality show 
show. Nevertheless, Trump did the right thing and let her go. He gave public remarks on it from the Oval Office with Johnson. Trump mentioned that she had spent 22 years in prison. He went on to say, quote, and for something that today a lot of people wouldn't even be going to jail for, and it was, it was horrible, and we found out about it, and we gave a commutation. That means we were able to get Alice out, and she has been just so outstanding, and I'm so proud of you. By Trump's own comments last week, he would have executed Alice Johnson. From pardon to death penalty, Trump sure does move fast. Because you see, Alice wasn't just a petty drug dealer. No, she was a pro at it. She was convicted on eight criminal counts from a cocaine trafficking operation in Memphis that involved more than a dozen individuals. She was closer to a kingpin than a local dealer, and she got a pardon. Was Trump doing it for a political stunt? Was it for attention? Or did he just want to meet another porn star, Kim Kardashian? I'll let you answer that one. Even if Trump would later come out and correct his statement and say that the death penalty would only apply to kingpin drug dealers, well, I think we all know that Alice fits that a little bit too comfortably. Now, whether the death penalty could be applied to drug dealers is unclear. The Supreme Court, in a 2008 ruling, said, quote, the death penalty should not be expanded to instances where the victim's life was not taken. But the majority opinion did not completely close the door on that notion, saying, quote, We do not address, for example, crimes defining and punishing treason, espionage, terrorism, and drug kingpin activity, which are offenses against the state. But let's back things up a minute. Have you thought about the actual logistics of killing drug dealers? Since the time we reinstated the death penalty in 1976, up to present day, we have executed more than 1,500 people in the U.S. Now put a pin in that and let's look at the number of drug traffickers in prison that Trump would want to execute. Currently, there are nearly 64,000 drug traffickers incarcerated in federal prison. If we give all of them the death penalty, that would be 41 times more than the number of executions we performed since the death penalty was reinstated. Let's take a step back and look at the macro view of this issue. Do Americans really even like the death penalty? Well, more than half of U.S. adults favor the death penalty for murderers, according to the Pew Research Center. However, support has declined over time. Since 1996, support for the death penalty fell from nearly 78 percent down to 52 percent. In the meantime, opposition to the death penalty has more than doubled from 18 to 44 percent. And we've also seen a nearly 30 percent decline in the number of executions that occurred from the year 2000 up until 2019. Currently, 27 states allow for the death penalty. Most of these are in the South and West. However, nearly half of those pro-death penalty states haven't executed someone in more than a decade. Stick around and find out the nine reasons that Trump's death penalty for drug dealers is full. Stick around and find out the nine reasons why Trump's idea for the death penalty for drug dealers is full of poppycock. Number one, we still are not 100% error-proof in our current executions. In 1985, Kirk Bloodsworth became the first death row inmate to be exonerated by DNA evidence. If you support the death penalty, you probably want it to be applied to people who actually committed the crime, not the innocent. The justice system in this country isn't suited for that, never has, and probably never will. People are not perfect. We still find innocent people on death row all the time. 
This past August, Marilyn Malero was spared from execution. She was the 190th person to be exonerated from death row in the United States. She was also the 16th death row exoneration in Cook County, which has the most exonerations of any county in the country. And she was Illinois' 22nd exoneree from death row. The only state with more exonerations is Florida that has 30. Malera wasn't saved by DNA, but by a dirty detective's deeds coming to light. After the detective grilled Malero for 20 hours and threatened her with a death penalty in losing her kids. She wasn't allowed to sleep or talk to a lawyer. Under pressure, Malero signed a confession. But Malero wasn't the only victim. In fact, 31 cases involving this detective were vacated. Illinois Attorney General Kim Fox said, quote, We no longer believe in the validity of these convictions or the credibility of the evidence of these convictions. That detective isn't alone. There's all sorts out there just like that, fouling up the criminal justice system. But are we willing to hang our hat on the perfection of detectives and cops to execute potentially the innocent? Number two, did you know that the Supreme Court halted the use of the death penalty? In Furman v. Georgia, the court examined whether execution violated the Eighth Amendment's ban on cruel and unusual punishment. The court found that the death penalty had been applied in ways that disproportionately harmed minorities and the poor. Justices Brennan and Marshall claimed it was unconstitutional for any reason. The death penalty was halted for the next four years in the U.S., States then began rewriting their death penalty laws to make sure they weren't applied, quote, arbitrarily or discriminatorily. Then in 1977, Gary Gilmore became the first person to be executed after the hiatus, and it never stopped. In 2008, the Supreme Court reexamined the death penalty again, and they said, quote, the death penalty should not be expanded to instances where the victim's life was not taken. However, they opened the door wide open for what Trump wants to do. The court ruled that, quote, we do not address, for example, crimes defining and punishing treason, espionage, terrorism, and drug kingpin activity, which are offenses against the state. Number three, what about big tobacco? Nearly half a million people die every year in the United States from cigarettes, one in five of all deaths in the U.S. That's 1,300 people every single day. For every cigarette death, 30 other people live with a serious smoking-related illness, resulting in 16 million people with a smoking-related disease. Even worse, every day 2,000 minors have their first cigarette. 300 of them become daily cigarette smokers. Overall, smoking costs the U.S. $600 billion a year. Yet, Big Tobacco spends a million dollars an hour to advertise their products to Americans. Are we going to assign the death penalty to Big Tobacco executives? I doubt it. Number four, what about alcohol? Every year, 140,000 people die from excessive alcohol use. That equates to 380 deaths a day. This type of drinking takes an average of 26 years off someone's life and causes nearly 60 medical conditions. Excessive drinking costs the U.S. nearly $250 billion each year. Despite disease and death, big alcohol is expected to spend more than $7 billion advertising booze to Americans next year. Are we going to assign the death penalty to big alcohol executives? I doubt it. Number five, drug cases are dependent on statements by witnesses and on the investigation at hand by cops and detectives. They're on the scene. But it's possible that they could be dirty, like we learned about earlier with Marilyn Malero. Are they planting evidence? Are they covering things up? 
Well, people are people, and they're subject to doing corrupt things. Just because they're part of law enforcement or the criminal justice system does not exempt them from the desires and temptations of the flesh to do bad things. We all know the racial disparity of drug crimes is ridiculous. We all know that whites and blacks use drugs at the same rate, yet blacks are twice as likely to get arrested for them. So why are we going to take drug crimes, drug sellers, and give them the death penalty when we know that it will disproportionately result in the death of more black Americans? Number six, according to the Drug Policy Alliance, quote, there is significant overlap between drug sellers and people who use drugs. A 2012 survey found that 43% of people who reported having sold drugs in the past year also reported that they met criteria for a substance use disorder. So I ask, are we really comfortable with executing people who are selling drugs to enable their addiction? As a country, can't we be a little more compassionate? Can't we give second chances? Can't we allow people to come to sobriety on their own without fear of being murdered by their government? Seven. Think about the cost and time of appeals. Death penalty cases are expensive and drawn out. Rightfully so. The amount of bureaucratic chaos will be unprecedented. The justice system will slow to a screeching halt. Those that are the victims of real crimes, like rape and murder, will have to wait longer to get the justice that they deserve. And we aren't saving any money by just killing people. It's a common misconception. The death penalty has cost California $4 billion since 1978. Florida spends $51 million more a year to execute their prisoners for murder instead of just giving them a life sentence. Texas death penalty cases cost on average $2.3 million. That's nearly three times what it would cost to incarcerate someone for 40 years. North Carolina spends more than $2 million per execution over the cost of a life sentence. Oklahoma spends three times more on a death penalty case than what it would on a non-death penalty case. Kansas spends more than four times as much. Number eight, can we go after doctors and big pharma for their role in the opioid epidemic? More than 900,000 people have died from a drug overdose since 1999. In 2020, 75% of those involved an opioid. We're all familiar with the epidemic. We are politicians bitching about it all the time, but they never really do anything about it. Doctors began overprescribing opioids in the 90s, which led to the second wave, a sharp rise in heroin overdose deaths. The third and final wave came in 2013 when overdose deaths involving synthetic opioids rose sharply. The demand for illicitly manufactured fentanyl skyrocketed, and it can be found in things like heroin, counterfeit pills, and cocaine. Now, 187 people die every day of synthetic and non-synthetic opioids. Are we ready to start executing doctors over it? They are, in fact, the ones that started it all. I doubt it. And we all know Big Pharma would never let that happen. They'd be exempt from the death penalty if Trump got his idea into law. Because Big Pharma has lobbyists. You don't. Number nine. Illegal drugs are lethal because of the user's stupidity. It would be like blaming McDonald's for someone gorging on their Big Macs and dying of a heart attack. In reality, their food isn't good for you, but overdosing on fatty, processed junk food is the user's fault. It's bad to eat it, really, ever, but people do things all the time that are bad for them. They eat sweets or drink alcohol or drink lots of soda. In the end, people choose how much damage to do to themselves. 
So in conclusion, I want you to think about a few things. What about those people that are selling marijuana in the States? Are dispensaries now horrible drug dealers deserving of the death penalty? Or will you go after recreational states first, then the medical marijuana states? What about the doctors who provide prescriptions for medical marijuana? Will they get executed? Finally, how long will it take before we execute the user? It's not too far down the slippery slope to think about. Are we really going to punish addiction with execution then? Similarly, that would mean medical marijuana users could get the death penalty. If nothing else, their access to life-saving pain relief would shore up. Who will grow and sell marijuana if the death penalty looms over their head? Even if the law doesn't go after marijuana and somehow makes it exempt, I'd be too scared to keep growing it under those new conditions that Trump wants to kill people. Who would want to fly that close to the sun and get burned with the price being their life? I'm not going to litigate the waste of the war on drugs or how criminalizing drug use is a violation of our liberties, how it infringes on our right to bodily autonomy and the ability to decide what goes into our bodies when and how. As president, Trump was mainlining hydroxychloroquine, a prescription medication, just for prophylactic reasons. The party followed him. The party was injecting themselves with horse dewormer, ivermectin. I recall Alex Jones eating it on air live and all the other conservative pundits and wannabes tatting its greatness as well. And that's great. They pushed back against the prevailing medical authorities and it was their right to do so. But if you're going to take horse dewormer, why can't someone else take a drug? Let's go a little deeper, though. Some might say an insurrectionist would be worse than drug selling. And then wouldn't that mean that the January 6th people would be up to have their heads on the chopping block? Believe me, the left will then try to take the power of execution and use it for their own political games. Once this starts, it will escalate very quickly. They'll have no problem executing those who threaten democracy and are deemed an insurrectionist. We've seen how they treated those people so far. After all of this, you should find the death penalty a grotesque punishment for selling drugs. But even more, consider the games being played. Who is pulling Trump's string to go from pardon to death penalty? Why is he taking such draconian measures? Why is a guy that said he would leave states alone on marijuana laws now trying to execute people at the federal level for selling them? Is Trump a rhino or is he being bombarded by the establishment? Are they hijacking the MAGA movement with a perverted new form of MAGA? Is there a Trojan horse in the mix? Who knows? But what I do know is that Americans don't want their weed dealer getting the chair. Thanks for listening to Overnight Opinions. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night for an all-new episode. And don't forget to follow the Ladies Love Politics channel on TikTok and Rumble.